Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubel, MD, episode number 47. This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubel. Hey, my friend, what's going on? So glad to have you back on the podcast. So today we have a very special treat. I have gotten multiple questions and comments from you, my listeners, asking for more information about meditation, particularly how to get started with a meditation practice. And while I do teach my clients in my coaching groups about meditation. And I do know somewhat, I have a working knowledge of meditation. I'm certainly by no means an expert. And so I wanted to bring somebody on who is more of an expert who could help us all to really learn something about meditation, why it's helpful, and why we should all be doing it. So I brought on a woman named Brody Welch, and she's a licensed acupuncturist a board-certified herbalist, Chinese medicine expert, group coach, and self-care strategist. She's the founder of Life and Balance Acupuncture in Corvallis, Oregon, where she's been treating patients since 2003. So she and I met probably maybe a year ago, maybe a little bit less, when I was a guest on her podcast. And so I remembered having a great discussion with her, a nice conversation. I reached out to her and said, hey, Brody, do you think you would be someone who would feel comfortable talking about meditation. She said, yes, this is right up my alley. I'd love to do that. So in addition to her clinical practice, she helps caring, high achieving women put themselves on their own to-do lists 
so they can trade stress and burnout for energy, joy, and vibrant health. She has helped thousands of clients improve their digestion, sleep, and mood, dial in a regular body-mind practice, and step into the next version of themselves. She's also the creator and host of A Healthy Curiosity, the podcast that explores what it takes to be well in a busy world. So as you're going to hear on this interview, she has a ton of experience with meditation and really changed her whole entire life and her whole life experience, partly through meditation, I think to a large part through meditation. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. And if you have any more questions about meditation, please bring them to the comments section on the show notes page for this episode, which you can find at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash 47, number 47 and we can do our best to answer those for you. But I can't stress enough to you how big of a difference it makes when you're taking steps to actively de-stress, to actively reduce your cortisol levels and your other stress hormones, not just in terms of your weight and being able to achieve a healthy weight and stay there permanently, but also in terms of living the life that you want to live, not feeling so at the effect of what's going on around you and instead being more deliberate in how you're approaching your life and creating the life that you really want. So please enjoy this interview with Brody Welch. Hey, Brody, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Katrina. It was so fun talking with you on my show, A Healthy Curiosity, a while back. And I love that we get to do it again. Me too. So you were definitely the first person I thought of when I got a number of questions and comments from my listeners about meditation, asking about how to start, what is the best way to meditate, just kind of wanting to know everything. So for this conversation, I'm going to pretend like I know nothing about mm-hmm. meditation. I'm okay. not an expert, but I'm going to pretend like I am a complete newbie. I've heard of the word, but I know nothing else. And I'm going to ask you questions <laughs> about it related to that. Okay. All right. I, I know that you actually know more than you will let on in this conversation. <laughs> right. You're all good there. So maybe I'll, you know, put in my two cents if I feel it's necessary, but I think that you know a lot more about it. So why don't we start with you telling me about your background with meditation, your experience with it and, and all that. Sure. Well, I got into meditation at a really early age. As a teenager, I was the classic overachiever trying to do it all. And I don't have any of those people on this podcast. Yeah, it's so (laughs) unrelatable, right? I, I actually didn't feel like I had a right to exist on the planet unless I was actively doing everything I could every day to make the world a better place. And so like in addition to the usual high school stuff, I did all this like volunteering and like commuting into Boston to like homeless shelters and soup kitchens, all this. And I really was totally identified with my doing rather than my being. And I just felt like, you know, that it's like you're complicit in evil unless you're helping to make the world a better place. And I can't live like that. So I was like quite as you can imagine, I was I was a cheerful teenager, um, no, but I I was depressed and and at times even suicidal. And I because I was defining myself by by my actions in, in Chinese medicine, the yang instead of the yin and the yang. And I was really overworked and exhausted. And actually, I I got introduced to a spiritual teacher from India who gave me my first meditation practice. And while that's no longer in any way what I practice as meditation, it opened a doorway to me. Like It was the first time that this was through my older sisters who had been with this teacher for a long time. And and just getting that sense of of dropping into stepping outside the stream of thought and just being able to sink down 
it was really the first time in my life that I felt worthy without doing anything. And I was like, wow, okay, so there's some power here, but the whole devotional to a guru thing is totally not my path, totally not me. And then when I got into shortly thereafter, started studying Chinese medicine and in Chinese medicine, meditation comes from the Buddhist tradition, from the Taoist tradition, like the various traditions inform Chinese medicine. And so I got really curious about sort of these different paths of meditation that involve even the body as a portal instead of like shut off your mind and, and go, you know, transcend the body. It was about using the body as a, a tool to go inward. And that's very similar to tantric yoga, right? The, the idea that the body and the mind in unity really uniting the mind and the body is is a form of, of meditation and a way that we can get mindful and present. So I've done countless forms of meditation, like just ranging from the Buddhist loving kindness kind of thing to the stare at a candle and concentrate kind of thing to the mantra style to chanting. I actually even used to sing and play the cello in a kirtan band, with kirtan being like call and response devotional chanting and, wow. you know, have a yoga teacher certification and studied with many Taoist masters. And, you know, so like I've sat at the feet of a lot of, you know, people who have been able to traverse these inner planes pretty skillfully. And and I'm actually right now in, a, in yet another teacher training program for something called the realization process, which is a non-dual form of meditation where, where we realize ourselves as, as fundamental consciousness. We realize that the self is an illusion really in the same space that pervades us pervades all it is, which is very wow. much in line with Chinese medicine because <laughs> that's the notion of qi, right? Like that we're all just energy and mm. there's energy and there's matter, but we're an ecosystem and, the, and we're an ecosystem within an ecosystem. Like the people around us, the environment around us affects our health and, and our life as well. So so anyway, I've sampled from the buffet of different meditation traditions, yeah. something that I teach in my group coaching programs that are about habit change because that's one of the most massive benefits of meditation is that I, I think it's like the master habit unlock mm. for anything that you don't want to be doing anymore. Anything that, you know, it's like you can't change what you're not aware of. So if you build the muscles of awareness, you're able to to live your life with a lot more mastery. Yeah, totally. So let's transition that right into this question of like, why should we care? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> why should we care? Why? Well, I think, I think this goes to like how you want to show up in the world, right? So like, so I'm a busy woman. I've got, you know, I've got a family. I've got a busy practice. I've got online programs. You know, like I, I have a lot of irons in the fire and the days that, that I believe what my mind is telling me, which is like, you've got a lot to do. Shouldn't you be doing it instead of sitting here with your eyes closed? You know, it's like, those are the days that I get that where my perspective contracts and I contract. I feel less connected to my purpose. My life feels like it lacks a certain depth. Like I feel like I'm just going through the motions, which feels kind of like a mild version of depression. Mm -hmm. And I also feel aimless in terms of like, I, I, I find that I focus on the wrong things, you know? So I, like I, that sense of overwhelm that I'm sure people are familiar with, it's like, it's really easy to slice through overwhelm if you know who you are and what you're about and what the most important thing for you is that day. So if it's being present with your family, you know, like it's a lot more easy or a lot, a lot more easy, a lot easier to be loving and kind and patient when you've taken a breath like when you've stepped into timelessness, you can actually like meditation, I think one of, so it's the, the master habit unlock, but it's also 
something that like just it it takes us out of the flow of our usual thoughts. It gets us to not believe everything we think. So that voice in our head that's like, you got to keep running, you got to keep up with your to-do list, you got to, you know, be be as busy as possible and get as much stuff done as possible. You lose sight of of the fact that you're being carries the power, right? Like if we're with our patients and we are distracted and in the future or in the past, we're not connected, right? Like we're not able to tap into presence and our full capacity as healers, which involves compassion, which involves our full access to our prefrontal cortex, right? That's another mm-hmm. thing meditation does is it, is that actually, you know, we know, we all know about neuroplasticity being a kind of yeah. this, this new and exciting tool that we get to use. With meditation, we can rewire our brain so that we spend less time in amygdala and more in our prefrontal cortex so that we are, we make better decisions. We're able to concentrate. We're less impulsive. We're better able to stick with our goals. Our memory and our capacity to learn goes up. We are also, we're more likely to be in a flow state that we associate with high performance and amazing artists. And we have fewer accidents. We're more efficient. We're less anxious and depressed we're able to concentrate better. We're lengthen our telomeres, right? So that if so wow. we're we're literally increasing our lifespan and and pre- preventing age-related decline in the brain. But as I said, you can't change what you're not aware of. So as you build the muscles of awareness, which is really what I think meditation is, you're enabling yourself to ditch old patterns like crazy because you become aware of your own patterning, your own conditioning. Oh yeah. Whenever I'm stressed out, I crave chocolate. Like now that, now that I've meditated and I'm aware of this pattern, I can do something different, right? I, I can like, when I'm reaching for the chocolate, I can go, huh, pause, mm-hmm. create space between trigger response, trigger response, trigger response. You're able Urge to- in the action. Exactly, like, right? My brain is want is asking me to eat some chocolate. Exactly. But if is I- Is that what I really should do or- Exactly. Yeah. Where is this coming from? Isn't that interesting? Oh yeah, right. I must be actually needing rest. I must actually be needing comfort. I must actually be needing just something to go well today. You know, like we're, we become right. more aware of what it is we're doing. Uh, when we've bothered to to not believe everything we think, not react to every physical sensation, because that's really that's really what meditation does. Is it allows us to to recognize that we're not our thoughts. Our thoughts are going to come and go. We can choose to pay attention to them and buy into them, or we can choose to just let them sail on by. Right. And- and like the clouds in the sky, just watching them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So really, it's like stopping identifying with who we think we are, like our ego minds that where we go through our sense of, of being somebody in the world and all these things that he or she has, you know, that, that are qualities of our personalities that are that are really just habituated patterns because who we are isn't any of that, right? Like who we are, we can change all of these things. And what's essential, what doesn't change is our consciousness, our awareness. And so when we make space to be consciousness itself, we become a lot more aware of of what's just habit and what's just an outdated way of being. And so we we actually give ourselves the freedom to evolve, which I think is the most interesting thing ever. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Because you're not just reacting. 
You know, you're being intentional and deliberate in how you're choosing to live your life. Exactly. that way you're able to create the results that you want, right? Because the reactions that you've been, you know, following through on have created what you have right now in your life. And so if that's not what you want, right? If there's Mm -hmm. a life right now that you want to change, then the way you respond to your thoughts needs to change. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We 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 can't do the same thing and expect a different result. We all know exactly. that. And there's you know there's that wonderful quote from Viktor Frankl that you might may have heard it, and I might butcher it exactly, but basically that between the event and the response, there is a space, and in that space to choose is our freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think oh, about meditation. Yeah. It get it allows us to it allows us to slow down time. And now what I'm talking about is not like, is not something that's going to happen overnight, but it is something that is going to, that could potentially happen in with regular practice. And it doesn't take all that long. Like some studies have shown that we actually increase the density in our prefrontal cortex within eight weeks, 20 minutes a day, which I think is really inspiring, you know, and there's ways of, and certainly there's kind of like, there's all sorts of biohacking tricks to be able to kind of like drop into different states, which again, I think is super interesting. But the idea is that you don't just pour some water on the ground and expect a plant to grow. It's like you have to keep watering that same patch of ground. And if you want to actually get that plant to grow and eventually bear fruit. And so it's the kind of thing where if somebody is new at this, just do it, just commit to it without fail. And if your day is busy, it doesn't matter. It's like just make it non-negotiable, but modular. So if you want to do a one minute or one breath practice, that's that counts. You know, like just mm-hmm. put, yeah. put your butt on your cushion and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you make it non-negotiable, then you can just set a timer and no matter how it goes, because like the mind is going to get especially if you're not used to it, the mind is going to want to do something else. It's like, oh my God, I'm not in control. You know, I, I <laughs> what's going to happen? Like there are things that are, things are going to get very out of hand if I'm not in control <laughs> so, because it's unfamiliar. But being able to stay in that, what can feel like torture, you know, for as long as you've set your timer and maybe you'll close your eyes at like, there's this big myth, I think that what meditation means, like that you access the state of bliss. And it's like, I can tell you as an experienced meditator of several decades, that's very rare. And, And maybe this is, it's true that you can get there and it is very relaxing, very blissful. But more importantly, I think the bliss happens in life. The bliss happens with being the person that you want to be instead of this irritable, reactive version of yourself whose perspective gets narrower and narrower. And as yeah. a staying in touch with like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay attention to what's most yeah. important, both for my productivity and for like who I want to be with the people I love. I love that because, right, we get so focused on the meditation and what our experience is while we're meditating. And that's not even really the important part, right? Like the the meditation is what helps us to get to the place we want to get to so that we show up in the rest of our lives in the way that we want to show up so that the life that we live is what we want. So it's kind of looking at it, you know, going through the meditation route to, to create that for yourself, which, and I think, you know, the other thing that, I mean, pretty much everybody I think this applies to, but we live such busy go, 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 go lives. I know I see it with myself too, where I'm like literally like racing around sometimes trying to get stuff done because I got to go get the kids or whatever. It's just that moment of being still. 
Like when are we ever still on purpose? Very yeah. rarely. <laughs> yeah. And circling back to my original story, right? That there is an incredible power in recognizing that we can just let everything be as it is. Yeah. We don't have to be the doer all the time. We can just say, you know, like, yes, that's like the dishes are undone. You can yes. stay here and breathe. Acceptance of the now. Yeah. Yeah. There are chart notes that need finishing. Yeah. Yes. Not right now, you know, like yeah, just, just right. right now, giving yourself that freedom to just exist. Yeah. And it's a little bit of yin that counterbalances the yang of activity in our daily life and a little bit of just beingness that balances the doingness. Yeah, that's so good. Okay. I love that. Okay. So <laughs> I told you I was going to ask this question. You're like, ah, like what is meditation? Well, I think I've I've danced around it a little bit like A, I'm not going to define meditation because <laughs> it's multiplicity of traditions that can that can sometimes it can be put to multiple purposes. And but I think ultimately that meditation, I think what these things have in common is that you are identifying with something other than your thoughts and something other than your emotions and something other than your bodily sensations. So, meditation I think is a is a means by which first of all a, a, a prerequisite for meditation is is relaxation like we with that the simplest instructions are basically like you know sit down close your eyes relax like like the, the three instructions for like just countless meditation traditions begin with just this process of and here's maybe my definition meditation is a process of turning your focus from the external world to your internal world love that and so succinct. It's so good. So here I can, I can hear people. I sort of, I feel like I could envision some listeners going, but isn't this like a religious thing? Like, do you have to be religious or like, is it kind of this like woo out there spiritual stuff? Well, like, and the answer is, is yes, yes, and no. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> there, are, there, are words, there absolutely are religious traditions or spiritual paths where you meditate in this particular way and it's going to advance your spiritual progress in this particular way. And so, you know, people who follow a spiritual teacher or a particular tradition, for them, it, it is very much one and the same with uniting with God. You know, and, and for some people, that's the point, right? Is like to, yeah. is to unite with, with the divine within and to connect with higher purpose or, you know, like it absolutely can be spiritual and religious. It also can be totally secular. It can be totally practical and non-woo-woo. And, you know, and, and, and in that sense, it's simply allowing your, your focus to come inward and uniting the mind, giving the mind something to do other than think. You know, and other than be on autopilot default mode. So really it's changing your perspective on yourself and on the world by instead of identifying with the thoughts themselves, identifying with the observer. Yeah. And just witnessing the flow of thoughts. And so, and that's sort of the the mindfulness tradition. I mean, it definitely came, it had its roots in Eastern traditions, Eastern thought, but John Kabat-Zinn, who popularized meditation and mindfulness in the, in the United States, you know, has made it, you know, it's, it's like something that will, you'll experience on a corporate wellness retreat or, you know, like that, yeah. that kind of thing. It's, it's incredibly mainstream and incredibly, you remove the trappings of, of ritual or like it has to be this way. You know, like there can be very strict rules and like Zen practice is sort of notorious for like your spine must be like this or somebody will hit mm. you with a stick and, you know, and, that, and that's just, you know, sure. Like there's, there's lots of, there's a huge multiplicity of traditions and they're all different. And so finding something that helps you and that works for you is something that like, 
is I think really important. It's personal. Yeah. So would you say that if someone has tried it and didn't like it or has tried it a number of different times in different ways and hasn't liked it, does that mean that they just, meditation's not for them? Yeah. Or there's that- no hope for that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this road, this uh, the end. No, so, so what would be your suggestion for that person who comes in immediately resistant, kind of like, no, I've tried it. I didn't like it. Well, you're not going to like it. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where nobody, nobody necessarily starts off loving kale, you know, like just do it because it's good for you. And then you decide, wow, actually my taste has changed. You know, like you put enough butter and salt on this and it's delicious, you know, like, and so, so I really feel that way about meditation. It's, it's not necessarily something that I love until it's over, you know, and then I'm like, I'm never, I never regret doing it ever. It's always time well spent. And it's always, and frankly, I don't know who I would be without it. I don't know how people get through life without a practice. I really don't. And it's like, it's the first thing that I will assign to patients. And so usually within this multiplicity of traditions and something that doesn't like clearly it's not my place as a medical provider to be giving people spiritual advice, but Chinese medicine is a body, mind, spirit, thing. And so it's certainly my place to give somebody the ability to unite their body and mind. And so within Chinese medicine, for people who hate sitting still, there's Qigong. And I just really want to want to mention Qigong yeah. for a moment because it's basically meditation in motion or gentle exercise that happens to be mindful. And so if you just think about like simple flowing movements that are repeated over and over again, and and actually I I have the world's simplest Qigong available for people on my website. I have this common centered bundle, which gives you a five minute breathing meditation. And just, I walk you through like a standing form that combines breath with movement and inward focus. And that's really the components. It's combining your breath with your posture, whether you're moving or not, and shining your light of awareness instead of outward, shining it inward and getting a sense of what's there. So because the breath is always with us and because we can't breathe from the past or for the future, it's a really excellent focal point for people to use. And also because when the mind is so busy, the mind likes to have something to do. And so focusing on the breath can be really practical and easy and people can often find some level of quote unquote success with it because Mm -hmm. they, they can feel like they can follow that instruction. So so usually I, I just invite people to, to find a comfortable seated position, one in which the hips are elevated above the knees to take strain out of the lower back. So this could be sitting in a chair or it could be sitting cross-legged, but with your hips plenty elevated so that you're comfortable and that you're actually able to relax. And so that your, your spine is relatively aligned in a, in a vertical plane because a lot of these different traditions talk about the central channel of the body that is for yoga practitioners, it's Sushumna Nadi. And in Chinese medicine, there's like several different meridians that all go right up from the crown of your head to the center of the base of your torso. There's this alignment, there's the central alignment in the Vedic system. It's like where the chakras all are, you know, like, but basically Mm -hmm. it's like where powerful energy can be accessed. And Mm -hmm. so, so if your spine is straight, you have more likelihood of being able to find that inner alignment, both physically and energetically. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Like you can, you can be slumped over and and still meditate. (laughs) So it still works. I will admit to sometimes meditating while laying down flat. I did actually this morning. You know what? I was too tired. I didn't feel like getting up. So I just turned my phone on and did my meditation. Yeah, why not? I mean, like that's absolutely legit. The the reason I don't recommend lying down for beginners is because it's very easy. Like when we're lying down, it's very easy to fall into sleep. Right. Exactly. And meditation is not sleep. It's um, you know, and it's and (laughs) or is it hypnosis? It's it's a different thing entirely. And so, okay, so find a comfortable position, one in which your back is straight. Bring your awareness from your external world to your internal world 
and just notice, just start with noticing. And just uh, usually when I'm teaching in a group setting, like I'll encourage people to let go of any obvious tension that they may be holding physically because the body and the mind work together. And so if your mind is all tense, it's like, okay, how about dropping your shoulders an inch? How about mm-hmm. letting the, the space between your eyebrows smooth out? How about That's exactly letting- what I was going to say. It's amazing how much yeah. tension we carry in our face, totally. right? Like the forehead, yep. the tongue and the jaw. If you have yeah. to do like a little, a little micro mm-hmm. smile, it's amazing how your face just completely changes. <laughs> in Qigong, we, we bring the, the tip of our tongue lightly to behind our upper teeth at the root of the mouth. That, that aligns mm-hmm. to important energy channels, but it also it necessarily, it relaxes some of the muscles that we use to hold our faces. So yeah, so we invite some level of relaxation in the body. And then we just become aware of the breath. And again, if people want to do this, they can they can grab my meditation freebie. I walk people yeah. through it. Perfect. And to set a timer and to sit there until your timer goes off and just start small. Yeah. So start with a one-minute practice, start with a two-minute practice, a five-minute practice. When that gets comfortable, when that feels like, oh, yeah, I could probably do more, then work your way up to 20 minutes. You know, And I don't necessarily know that more is better. It's not like you get bonus points for... you know, And you probably are busy and have things to do. And so just being able to, to have success with your meditation practice requires that consistency, that watering the ground. And so right. making it so simple that it's easy, like that the ego can't wrestle back control and and tell you that you're wasting time when in fact this is something that like it gets us in touch with the most important things in our lives as well as having all sorts of like physical clinical measurable benefits to the body yeah definitely definitely so where do you need to be do you need to be like you know i need like a certain cushion or whatever or can you be in a call room somewhere can you be around noise like what sure. if your kids are yelling or like you're yeah. in the nurse's station what can you do how can you do it, it's actually sort of i think that being in a noisy environment can almost be useful to us because it's practice as we attune to our senses we get present Right. Like, so so that actually can, you know, okay, I'm aware of the hum of the refrigerator. I'm aware of the kids bickering in the background. I'm aware of, of whatever it is, of the, the ambient noise. The trick is to not follow the content of the noise, right? So if people are having a discussion or having an argument, it's like, you know, to not pay attention to that because it's out there. You know Mm -hmm. that it's an invitation to come back to your breath and to continue paying attention to making your breath even, right? And even, you know, counting to four on the inhale, counting to four on the exhale or counting to whatever number, just like whatever your breath happens to be. And then of course you can get fancy, you know, like, and there's all sorts of ways that, that changing your breathing actually can change, can make meditation a little bit easier. So I actually recommend simple pranayama or simple breathing exercises can be a really nice gateway towards getting your mind to relax. And And you know what I want to just put in a plug for here is that I feel like I've done, because I've basically just do guided meditations. And I feel like I've done a bunch of different ones that have you count or notice or pay attention to your breath in all kinds of different ways, sometimes manipulating it, like making Mm -hmm. it last a certain count Mm -hmm. in a certain count out, sometimes just letting it be there and, and watching it. And some of them I liked and some I didn't really. And over the course of time, I've really found one that if you said right now, sit there, meditate and, you know, pay attention to your breath. Like there's a certain way I would do that. And that's the way I like to do it. And so I think that if you kind of tried a couple of times and it doesn't really resonate with you that much, it doesn't mean that you haven't 
you know, you can't do it or it's not a good option for you. It just means that you're still exploring and trying to find what is going to work for you. So what I kind of like about some of the meditation apps that are out there is that you have the opportunity to try a little taste of a lot of different kind of methods. Yeah, that's I had actually, true. you know, years ago had gotten whatever my mantra or whatever with the transcendental meditation people. And I went through that whole thing. And, you know, I'll be honest, it was like so rule driven yeah. That I couldn't make it work. It was like, you have to do it twice a day, 20 minutes. And, you know, they said like, you can't be interrupted. So like that it wasn't good for you if you, you know, something happened, like one of your kids, you know, fell and hurt themselves or something and you had to, had to get up that that wasn't good and, and that you had to do it before dinner. And like literally that opportunity never almost never yeah. happened for me. And so then I didn't do anything for a long time. And kind of thinking like, oh, it just doesn't work for me. And really over the course of the last year, I've been able to extremely gradually piece together what I actually consider now as my meditation practice. It's all, it still feels kind of like funny to me that I would say that I have that because it felt yeah. so difficult for me for so long. But I just want to put out there the idea of, you know, just keep trying different things and experimenting. And, you know, you might find that you don't like an app that you really like to do it on your own or that you really like to, I mean, there's so many different people, you included, right? You can get some, you know, guided meditation, just, you know, MP3 files and you can listen to those. And there's so many different ways of doing it. You can just keep exploring until you find the ones that you like. I actually also listened to guided meditations after my daughter died for grief that was super, super healing. And then as I was pregnant again and had so much anxiety about being pregnant, I listened to some guided meditations on being pregnant and even going through the IVF process and things like that specifically for that, which I found really, really helpful when I didn't feel like it felt so true. Like I really believed my story that created anxiety for me. And that was a way of just separating from that. It was like a little pause button <laughs> on those emotions that felt really like I like warranted, like there was no reason to not feel that way, but it was a really nice break. And so I, I just, you know, like you were saying, it's hard to even describe all the different ways because there are so many, but then we hear like Deepak Chopra is meditating three hours every morning from like, you know, 4am to 7am or something. I mean, that for sure is not what we, our goal is here. You know, really right. a minute or two is yeah. fine. <laughs> right. And what you're describing first with the transcendental meditation and its rules and how that really was like, you couldn't make it work. So you gave up on meditation entirely yeah. for a while that there is, yeah, like absolutely that, that a lot of those traditions originated in the East where that was your only job was to be a meditator. It was, to, yeah. like, it was like in the sort of masculine tradition of renouncing the world and transcending it and being an ascetic and, you know, like going off mm -hmm. and, and meditating at the top of a mountain. And that's like your whole life, but we're householders. We live in the world. And so have it like making it work for us. It's like, no, that, and, and also just that idea that, that there, there, it has to be this way. I think that that's really, it's, it's quite a masculine paradigm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and I personally, as, as a teacher, just encourage people that like, what are you doing this for? Like, and what you're describing is like the emotional solace that guided meditation gave you when you were going through such a painful time and such a stressful time Yeah, that it gave your mind something to focus on other than what it would habitually land on. Yes. And so it's in that sense, guided meditation is sort of like a little journey and it takes you somewhere else. But I actually kind of think that that's more mental manipulation than it is meditation, you know, like, and, and it's like, which isn't to say that it's not useful, but I think that that's very different than, than cultivating awareness of what's going on now internally 
internally in mm-hmm. your ecosystem. So mm-hmm. I think like meditations are sometimes different than meditation. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that's really interesting. I, so the, so I do two different apps is what I do. I do one at night and then a different one in the morning. Cause I like them for different reasons. Yeah. And the one that I do in the morning is Headspace and their like little basic pack, which I think you can do for free. Like it's 30 days worth. I was like, I'm going to just do this for 30 days and see what I think at the end mm-hmm. before I pay any money for this. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I really loved his way of kind of, you know, telling you what to do. And I'm at a point now I could do it completely on my own. Like I don't yeah, need yeah. You know, to have to do that. But I just finished today a little pack about patience and impatience. And it was so interesting. So interesting how we get impatient with ourselves when we're meditating, right? And just this idea of like letting the thoughts come and then just identifying that it's a thought and letting it go. And it's it's so helpful for me in the sense that I like to somewhat be told what to do. It's like same thing when I work out. Like I just want to show up. Like someone right. just tell me what to do. Or and I do it first thing in the morning, 5 30 in the morning. I'm tired. Like I can't think about what I'm supposed to do. Just tell me. You know? But I, I see what you're saying because definitely I, and I would say that some of those, you know, quote unquote meditations were more like visualization exercises. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like it was a bit different consciousness. Mm-hmm. What you're describing with headspace, it totally sounds like training wheels and that you don't need them yes. anymore. You know, like yeah. that you, and it really it really was training wheels. And I'm at a point now, I think they just sent me an email that I've been doing it like nine days straight or something. Go so you. It's at a point, right? So it's That's at a point awesome. now where I really, I want to do it. Like if I haven't done it first thing in the morning, I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, okay. I need to find 10 minutes. So I do 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. And I like need to you know, like, where's the 10 minutes so I can do that. And that's what we that's really awesome. want. Right. That's like a true habit. Yes, exactly. It's, easy, but I really want to make sure I get this done today. Oh yeah. And, and having it like morning when mornings are mine and I can do like my, my whole morning routine, like the whole day is mine basically. Yeah. And so like, and yeah. so if I start my day in alignment with my highest values, I literally set myself up for success in a way that just doesn't happen if I wait till later. So I'm with you on the, on the meditating in the morning. And because again, it's like, especially when a habit is new, like willpower will deplete your ability to stick with that new habit. Yeah. And so if we, if it is something that you want to bring online, I highly recommend starting early in the day before the demands of life kick in and before your mind tells you that it doesn't want to be shut off and that you shouldn't shut it off. Right. right. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. and it's shutting off is actually kind of the wrong terminology because just like you can't stop your heart from beating or your lungs from taking in breath, you really can't stop your mind from thinking. It's just what the mind does, which is why giving the mind something to do where it can feel purposeful, but you don't have to believe your thoughts is really kind. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Oh man, this is such a great conversation. I think this is really just a good way for people to kind of get a sense of what is this stuff all about. And so, you know, the other thing that I just want to mention, and I, I told you this before the call is that what I will often do with my clients who are physicians who are on call and stuck in the hospital, particularly people like anesthesiologists or OBGYNs who really are, you know, they can't go anywhere. There's so much going on. They're so busy, but then they are waiting for a woman who's laboring or something, or, you know, there is kind of a downtime. They're waiting for, you know, a patient to come down from the room to do this one procedure or come in from the ER or something like that. And they feel so stressed. And oftentimes they would eat during that time because they feel like, oh, maybe they want some energy. It's something to do. It makes them feel better. Of course, you know, their baseline thinking is that they're not happy that they're in the hospital in the middle of the night. They probably have quite a bit of self-pity for themselves that they have to do it. And so what I've encouraged a number of them 
to do is to do a meditation, to just sit there and, you know, calm yourself down and do that active de-stressing in that moment. And I just wondered if you could speak to the utility of doing that, just kind of when you're feeling more stressed out or something, you know, you're waiting, you you know, do you wish you weren't somewhere? <laughs> Something it's like phenomenal that. advice. I think that's, I think I can't imagine a better thing to do with that kind of time, right? Where you have to be ready, but you're not, there's, you can't necessarily do anything else, right? You are where yes. you are. Yeah. So first of all, it's, it's incredibly restful to drop into meditation. So even if you can't get sleep, you can often feel quite refreshed after meditating. And so just improving your focus and concentration, decreasing your likelihood of making a mistake, you know, that all of those things can happen as you as you basically hone your focus, right? And and so if and if you practice, like I think I've used the analogy that that awareness is like a muscle. And so if our focus is very diffuse and we're focused on all the ten thousand things that there are in the world that that could be occupying our minds it's very hard to get clear. And so if we practice honing our focus like a laser beam so that like it brought it, we, we take, we consolidate our awareness down to just the one thing at a time that we're doing, you're going to be so much more effective at whatever it is you're putting your mind to. And, and that could be in the form of a visualization of like what you're about to do. But really, just just coming from a space of really, it's it's awareness training, and that that's going to make you better at whether it's you know being an Olympic athlete or being a surgeon or being anything in between, being yeah, a writer, being an artist, or whatever. You know, right. Yeah, it's all going to be it's all going to be better. Plus, if your job in any way involves people, which I'm assuming most physicians yes. talk to patients, <laughs> right, is that you're going to be much more present and in your heart. You're going to be much more present for whatever it is that they've got going on and much more empathetic. Yeah, which is huge because, you know, so many physicians now identify as being burned out. And that really part of that is having a lack of empathy, just feeling so yeah. tapped out, you know, like the energy or the empathy reserves are are like on you know, zero. And it's just, every patient is just another thing to add to the to-do list. It's just another, you know, box to check. And who gets into medicine who doesn't want to help people, right? I mean, it's like that, it's like probably pretty far away from, you know, from what you really are about, right? Yeah. Right. And that's why people are so dissatisfied. And the idea of, you know, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be like, you know, like I thought I wanted to be a doctor and this is nowhere near what I thought that, that experience would be would be like. And and in medicine, it's like so often we can't necessarily cure whatever's going on with the person. Like we can't snap our fingers and make bipolar disorder go away or make right. cancer go away. You know, like that whatever yeah. it is that that the person has, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and very likely has to deal with for a long time. Yeah. What we can do is amplify their strength by by seeing them for as whole and seeing them as who they are. And mm-hmm. you know, and so if you've identified yourself as part of the wholeness, right? The wholeness, the 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 big flux of life that, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and and being a drop in the ocean of consciousness because that's, you know, like that your your awareness in your body and your perspective it's just you over there and I'm over here, but it's the same right. thing. It's the same force of, of consciousness, the same force of observation that if we can tap into that, we are so much more able to be medicine for patients instead yeah. of just administering medicine to patients. Mm-hmm. 
That's, yeah, I love that. That is so great. All right. Well, on that note, Brody, where can my listeners find you? They can go to brodywelch.com and that's Brody with an IE and Welch with a CH at brodywelch.com. They can grab my common centered bundle, which is the the seated meditation and little Qigong meditation. So yeah, kind of the take your choice about whether you want to try something seated and guided or something standing. You can also download the right to take care of yourself manifesto, which is on there because oh, yeah. it's the kind of thing that when you do take care of yourself and you do put yourself at the top of your to-do list, you are so so much more able to show up for the people in your life and to do the best job you possibly can. You can also check me out at if you're a podcast listener, as I assume you are, if you're listening to yes. this one, right. um, <laughs> you can go over to A Healthy Curiosity and check out whatever episodes seem interesting to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brody. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining all this to everybody. Oh, it's a blast. I, lo- I love sharing this stuff with people because it's such an important tool. And what a different world it would be if we all actually started the day from a place of centered kindness to ourselves right. and al- alignment with all that is. Love it. Love it. All right. Take care, Brody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now take the next step and go to KatrinaUbellMD.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.